This is the Stand with Lynette podcast. You have episode 37, Finding Christ Through Trauma with Cody Hoskison. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to Stand with Lynette. If you're a new listener, I'm so happy that you're here for the first time. I hope all find hope and light and Jesus in this podcast and every podcast I record. That is always my goal, to help you stay more grounded in your faith and your testimony of the Savior Jesus Christ and His restored gospel. That is what I hope to accomplish today and always. Today, I was going to do a solo episode. I've been trying to alternate interview, solo episode, interview, solo episode, and I had a solo episode on the schedule for today. But I am immersed in a new project that I'm just kind of trying to go all into at the moment, and that is writing a book. I'm announcing that because I need to hold myself accountable. And now that it's out there in the public ear, I kind of mentioned that I knew that there was a book to write a couple episodes ago. And now I'm invested in writing it. And so rather than spending time writing podcast material for the next few weeks, I'm going to take advantage of the interviews that I have already recorded for this week and for next week. And then we're going to take a Christmas break for the two weeks following that. And I'll be back in early January with another solo episode. So I am excited for this new adventure. A little intimidated. I have in the past tried to sit down and write a book and it was way more challenging than I anticipated, but I have a good idea of where I want to go with this book and I feel like I have a lot of material already written. So it's more just compiling, I hope. Again, I'm at the beginning of this journey, but I'm ready to dive all in over the next few weeks with what time I have in trying to get a good jump on this book. So that's where I'm going to be spending my time. But I do have this episode that I've recorded previously with Cody Hoskison. I hope you enjoy it. She is going to tell you a little bit about her journey through bullying, through trauma, through postpartum depression, through lots of hard things. She's very young and is learning to navigate these hard things with faith in the Savior Jesus Christ and by holding fast to her covenants. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Cody Hoskison. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Stand with Lynette podcast. And I am so excited to introduce you to my new friend, Cody Hoskison. I am so excited to hear Cody's story. She has told me a little bit about it, and I can't wait to hear more. I know that it's going to be super helpful for you as well. So welcome, Cody. Thank you for being here. Thank you. So my name is Cody Hoskison. I am a mom. I have one son. He is one year old. I am a child of God. And I definitely don't have my life put together, (laughs) but that's okay. (laughs) I love your introduction of being a child of God. 
I, that is, that's like number one. That's the most important thing. And I love that you included that in your brief little introduction. And I can tell you who has their life put together. Nobody that I know. So welcome to the party. <laughs> welcome to the party. <laughs> okay. So you have, you have one son. He's 14 months old. And are you married? Um, yep. We've been married since 2020. It was a COVID wedding. It's exciting. Definitely. <laughs> Wow. So what was that like? Uh, crazy. It was crazy. We had, uh, I, I visited my husband's family for the first time and then we got back and that was the spring break that everything just broke open and we came back and the and university shut down a week later and we got engaged and decided that since we couldn't have a big wedding anyway, we moved up our date and the temple miraculously opened right in time for their moved up date. Wow. And then wow. it was a miracle that I had been definitely praying for. And then we just last minute, just two days before we were told that we could invite uh, 16 people instead of six. So all of our parents and endowed siblings and grandparents could come. So it wasn't big and I have a big family and I was a little disappointed, but it was good. My niece got married during COVID. That had to have been a bit stressful, I would think, to try to plan a wedding and yes. navigate that knowing that you can't have what you had in mind, probably. It was definitely a, an adjustment of what I wanted. Yeah. Well, here you are, though. We're still sealed and it's all worked out. That's the most important thing. And the fact that you got to the, the temple opened, that's awesome. Yes. All right, Cody, can you tell us, take us back with you to your childhood, to your family of origin. What was it like to grow up as you? Fun. It was fun. We, so I am the oldest and there are six of us and we're all two or three years apart. And we grew up super close knit. My siblings are still my best friends. We've recently moved across the country and I'm not close to them, which has been an adjustment that I never anticipated. But some of my funnest memories are just family activities, just anything it was with my family was fun. Even if we were chopping wood and hauling it or getting hay for our horses, we did have a few animals. Where did you grow up? I grew up mostly in Tremont, Utah. Okay, it sounds kind of idyllic in a lot of ways from how you're describing it. What? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. That's so awesome that you are so close to your siblings. Are you all really close together in age? Uh, yes, we. So the closest sibling to me is just a year and a half away. Uh, I think the biggest gap we have is three years. That sounds a lot like my siblings. There are six of us in seven total years. That's fun. Yeah, it was a, it was a bit crazy. Yes, it's fun. <laughs> it is fun. I always wanted a big family because I couldn't imagine having anything less than chaos. Right. Yes, exactly. Well, and, you know, I definitely don't know how to handle a single child. So he's definitely going to get siblings if I have any ability to give him siblings he's gonna get them because it is way easier to handle two than one 
That's a good way to look at it. That's a good way to look at it. So you mentioned in the application, in the prep work we did for this episode, that you dealt with some childhood bullying. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looked like for you? So we moved um, between kindergarten and first grade. And when I got to the new school, one of the friends made ended up being very manipulative. It was one of those people who you play with them. And if you're not playing with them, they don't want you to play with anybody else. And in first and second grade, I just ignored her. But in third grade, she decided, I mean, I ignored her when she acted like that. But we were friends. Um, but in third grade, she's like, I'm not your friend. And that whole year, I don't know why I decided to let that get to me when before it hadn't. But that year, it really got to me. Um, and I kind of wandered around, uh, even though there were plenty of people I could have made friends with. It was, I don't know. <laughs> but she did that again in fifth grade. But in fourth grade, we were friends. And then in sixth grade, we were friends again. And we stayed friends until high school. But she wasn't always the person I chose to hang out with. And it wasn't until this year that I was listening to something and realized that she was a bully. And I had known that she was a little bit of a bully, but I hadn't realized how manipulative she was. And it really affected my ability to believe that friends ought to stick around. And so that's been something I've been working with. Yeah, so that still is affecting you today as an adult? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We just made a big move. My biggest worry was that I wouldn't be able to make friends. And I would say I'm a friendly person. Yeah, I can tell by talking to you right here that you are a friendly person. I try to be. <laughs> All through my growing up years, I had different friends almost every single year from elementary school all the way through middle school, all the way through high school. I was constantly hopping friend groups, trying to figure out where I fit. And I just never really felt like I, I could find my place. And that, like, again, uh, that carried into my adult years as well. I'm in a much better place now, but it was hard for a long time. Definitely. What are some other challenges that you have faced as you've grown up, as you've moved into adulthood? What, what are some of those things that, that you have been navigating? So one of them is um, something that only last year I have understood what happened. Um, when I was three and five, I had two life-saving surgeries. My ureters were too big. And those are what connect your kidneys to your bladder. And they were too big. And I was going to get too many infections and it would have killed me eventually. And so I had a surgery and it fixed it. And I have good memories of those surgeries, but my body remembers it badly. It remembers it as abuse, which I didn't know that that was the thing that could happen. And I was looking into some therapy for another problem I'm dealing with, which is depression. And I talked to them and told them about that. And they said, oh, that is called medical trauma. When you have a medical procedure and your body remembers it badly. And so that is something I've been dealing with. It's caused a lot of problems. Uh, it caused some self-abuse later in my life without me even understanding that I was A, self-abusing or B, why it was happening. Um, and 
Now I've been discovering that it's got a freeze response. So you've heard of flight or fight, right? Yes. Yeah. So there's a third one and it's freeze. And it's when you can't run and you can't fight, which happens a lot with abusive situations where you're not, you know, you're stuck. And so your body kind of, it's like a play dead syndrome and your body holds on to that. And if it doesn't feel safe or if you can't figure out a way to let your body know that you feel safe, you stay stuck in freeze response. Some signs of that would be that you don't know all of your emotions. When I first went to college, I looked around at all these other people living their lives and feeling emotions. And I looked at them and I was like, they just look so free. They look like they don't worry about letting their emotions out or they don't worry and they can easily talk to people and be friends. And it, it was then when I started to realize, and it was only this year that I learned what it was called and it's called the freeze response. Um, and I don't know everything about it. I, there's, there's professionals out there who could tell you so much more. Um, it definitely has a lot to do with trauma though. In fact, some people would say that for the freeze response causes long-term trauma. I've heard of the freeze response, but I, I've heard of it in the realm of, you know, like adrenaline, fight, flight, or freeze. But this is like a, an, on, an ongoing thing for you. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a form of PTSD, a post-traumatic stress disorder. So how does this show up in your daily life right now? With your motherhood, with your family? So it shows up. So with my family... It's actually kind of funny because I think with all my bullying that was happening, my family was the only place where I was truly myself, um, just as the years went on. And that's because my family loves me unconditionally, and I grew up knowing that they loved me unconditionally. And so that base was already set when all this other stuff happened. Um, and so my family is kind of outside of the rest of it. But in my daily life as a mom, I, I do believe it caused depression where I can't let my emotions out. And so I wrote a children's book about this that I'm still working on and would like to get published one day. But, but if you picture that there's a box inside your heart where you put the stuff that's too hard to deal with, and then picture that instead of putting the stuff that's too hard to deal with and taking it out and working with it when you're able to deal with it, you instead just put your whole heart in the box. And I, I did this with the flame instead of the heart, but you put everything inside that box and then you close the lid and you say, it's too hard to deal. I'm not going to feel anything. I'm not going to let people in. I'm just going to not deal with it. And then your heart goes to sleep. And it's going to wake up eventually. Your body can't deal with it. And one day when it does wake up, you're going to have been normal. And suddenly you're not. Suddenly you can't do things you used to do. Suddenly you have depression or anxiety or just all sorts of things. And you're wondering why. And it's because your heart is waking up. That's what I believe. I believe that it's because the heart is waking up and it's going through a stage of kind of panic because it's starting to feel things and it doesn't know what to do anymore. So when I had my son, I had postpartum depression and I couldn't connect. And it took me so long 
just to be able to connect with him. And it's just because my heart has trouble letting new things in. So I think that's part of how the freeze response showed up. And so it's something I've been working on and it's going to take a while. That sounds like a lot to be handling. You look, you, you are obviously still very young. This is a lot that you've been through in, in your young life. How have you found strength through the Savior, through all of these challenges that you have navigated? He's been there every step of the way. The ones I can remember the best happened after my mission. When I first realized that I was self-abusing, he was there to help me understand that he loved me and what I was going through. While I may have been the instigator, it wasn't my fault and that I was still worthy in his eyes and that he wanted me to know that I could get through what I was going through, um, which was mostly addictive behaviors. And he was telling me that it's okay. I can get through these behaviors. I can be okay. I was able to hold on through all that with the idea that with God, everything is possible. I can hand it to God and let him handle it. And I can go do the other things that are also very busy and pressing on my mind. And that was part. Another part was with my depression. I uh, didn't want to pray. Sometimes I didn't want to connect with God, but he, when I prayed, even if all I said was thanks for this food, he was there. Even though my prayers were very rote, uh, not significant, not meaningful, just that they were prayers. I was doing my effort that I could make to reach out. And he was blessing me with the ability to find the information I needed to take the next step forward. And then he was blessing me to take the next step forward. And it's a lot of steps. And he knows all of them. And he's been able to take me through them one by one. And I'm still not there. I think that none of us are really there. It's a journey. Life is a journey. And you've described so beautifully what, what, how the Lord works line upon line um, and step by step. And just meeting you where you are and helping you get to the next step, even when you felt weak, even when you felt like you couldn't do it you know that's that's how god works and that's that's beautifully illustrated in what you just told us but one thing that you said stood out to me so i want to ask you a question about that you said that you were able to hand your struggles to god and then deal with the things that were pressing in your life so what does that look like for you in your situation to hand your struggles to God so that you can manage the other things that you need to manage? Uh, well, an example is my son has some digestive issues. Uh, we can't figure them out. We've been working. Sometimes it's very much present, but sometimes I picture when I pray and I picture handing God a box full of all the worry of my son's digestive issues. And I hand the box to God and I say, I can't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help. There's nothing I can do right now. So I'm going to hand you this box and you hold on to it and you can fix it way better than I can. And I'm going to go 
worry about making sure he's eating and making sure his bum is changed and, you know, just the normal everyday trying to clean the house and get groceries and all that stuff. And because that stuff is very difficult for me right now. And so I had God the worry. I, I usually do picture it though. I usually do picture a bag or a box filled with pieces of paper because I like to write. So pieces of paper and I, I hand it to him and I say, this is the stuff I can't deal with right now. <laughs> I need your help. This has to get fixed eventually, but you can do it better than me. That's beautiful. I have done that myself and it has helped me greatly as well to just picture handing my burdens to the Lord, physically handing them to him. Um, because sometimes I get, I get stuck in my brain and I don't know if that, if you do that as well and just like ruminate on all the things that are wrong or that I'm struggling with. And so just even getting them out of my head and into that box that I'm going to hand to the savior, because in the scriptures, it says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You know, let me help you essentially. But I, I've wondered at times in my life, what does that look like in practice? How do I actually do that? Because it's, it sounds like a good idea. And I believe that he can do that. But how do I do it? And I, I love the way that you just described that. It's very practical. And that doesn't mean that those worries necessarily, at least for me, go away. I can just not think about them for a minute <laughs> and that's helpful yeah and you're not you're not burying it you know it's not oh i'm just gonna hope this disappears it very proactively to god to say you know better help me figure this out and if that means i don't think about it then that's what it means i love that thank you thank you for sharing that so for those for those moms out there, maybe new moms like you, who are struggling in the midst of postpartum depression, what would you tell them? Well, I would say it doesn't mean that you're bad if you have depression. And if you can't connect with your child, that also doesn't mean that you're bad. Just keep going through the motions until you're feel connected. Um, I've had depression since three months before my son was born and he is 14 months old almost and it's just the past three months that I felt truly connected with him uh, so I would say just keep going through the motions keep feeding them keep changing them keep wanting the connection don't stop wanting the connection but it's okay if it takes a while it doesn't mean you're bad and it doesn't mean that it's never going to happen just keep going through the motions until the motions become full of life. We live in a world where people say going through the motions means that you're not getting a full life, that you're not getting everything out of life that you want to. So maybe you need to change, but, and sometimes that's true. But when kids are involved, that is not true. Going through the motions until you feel full of life is very important. And, you know, maybe you need to be changing some other things in your life, such as your, maybe your spirituality. Maybe you need a closer connection to God before you can fully be connected to your family. Or maybe you've got too much stuff 
and you need to get rid of some stuff, whether that's physical stuff or stuff in your calendar. But there are some things where you go through the motions until they become full of life. And then they are more full of life than anything else ever could be. And having a family is one of them. Oh, that's so good. That's so wise. And I know you say you're not out of the woods yet. You're still learning. You're still growing. But it's amazing how much experience breeds wisdom. You, you've learned a lot, I think, in your young life about how to navigate hard things. And you're still smiling. I'm amazed that you're telling me about all these hard things and you just seem so full of so full of joy. And maybe that's not your experience always, but I think it comes naturally to you. I can tell that it, that is your natural state. Thank you. Okay, so a couple more questions. The first of which is how have your covenants helped you as you have navigated the challenges in your life? Well, my covenants are promises that I have made with God. And that means that he has made promises back to me. And so even when things are tough and I don't think that I can make it through something, God has promised certain things to me. And that means that I can know that everything's going to be okay. The union that I have with my husband and the covenants that we've made together means that my family can be eternal. And that means that I have a lot of time to get to know my family. And that's okay because that means we can go through the good, we can go through the bad, and we can get to the end and still keep going because the end doesn't mean the end. It's eternity. God has promised us things, and he doesn't break his promises. And that means there's always hope. That is a that is a hopeful outlook to realize that we are in a fallen world and things are hard and life is maybe not what we anticipated and things come up that we don't know how to deal with but god is true to his promises and we can hold on to that when things feel heavy or maybe even hopeless at points that can bring hope that can bring light into into darkness so thank you for that and my last question is, what does standing with the Savior mean to you? That he is always on my side. When I sent you the application, I mentioned that I picture a battlefield when you said that. I pictured a battlefield where you know, there's the opposite army. And we are standing on this side looking at that army. And there are people fleeing left and right because that army looks big and scary. But Christ is standing with us. He is on my side. And he is also looking at that army. And he is not running because he knows how to conquer the army. And he knows that he can do it. And he also knows that he can help us do it. And so it's not just me alone facing something that looks crazy. It is me with Christ facing something that has already been overcome. And all we have to do is trust that he can tell us how to do it. That's so good. I love that imagery. I can tell that you're a writer just by the way that you talk and think. <laughs> Thank you. 
I want to be on that side too with the with the savior knowing that he can overcome all and we don't have to do it we just have to be on his side that's right so that's beautiful thank that's you. beautiful well thank you so much cody for taking a few minutes of your time to share your story being willing to share your story and your struggles and your hope and your light and your goodness all of that i know will be so helpful to other women who may be in a similar boat or who may know someone else who is in a similar boat and better understand how to support them. So thank you for your time. Yeah, well, thank you for putting this all together. It's a, I was very excited when I read that you were going to give this a try and I hope it goes well for you. Well, it's been fun so far. I, I just, I love hearing people's stories. I think there's so much power in that and just being able to learn from what other people have experienced and, and the wisdom that comes from it. So it is my absolute pleasure and I'm grateful that you were willing to come on. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, my friends. Isn't Cody amazing? I am so impressed with her resilience and the way that she has navigated the hard challenges in her life. And though, as she says, they are not over yet, she's still working through them. I was inspired by her ability to just keep on going. And I loved what she had to say about going through the motions until the motions become full of life. I think that is so beautiful and so hopeful and clinging to those covenants and knowing that when we stand with the Savior, we cannot lose. Our team on the battlefield will not lose if he is on our side. So that is where I want to be always. Will you stand with me on the side of the Savior in this battle for our very spiritual lives that we are navigating right now? I hope you will do so. And if you are committed to that and you would like to apply the things that our prophet seers and revelators are teaching us so that we can stand firmly with the Savior, head to the episode notes in your podcast app, click on the link and download the free PDF download that I have for you that lists all of the invitations from October 2022 General Conference. It will be a fantastic reference for you as you strive to implement those things over the next few months until April General Conference. So thank you again for being here. I will see you back here again next week. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard. That's two N's, two P's and an A-R-D or at LynetteShepard.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again, and remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.